0: This is Speaker Series Rewind, a podcast by High Alpha. In this series, we revisit our favorite discussions from High Alpha Speaker Series events.
1: Welcome to our monthly Speaker Series.
0: And each week, we'll introduce you to the industry leaders, successful entrepreneurs, and investors running everything from breakout SaaS companies to professional racing teams and beyond. I am really, really excited
1: for this conversation.
0: You'll hear ideas that will inspire you to overcome obstacles. There's
1: no construction manual when you start your first company.
0: Become a better leader and try new things.
1: When I see a new product category, that someone says, like, it's the dumbest thing ever. Like, oh, OK, that sounds interesting.
0: Because after all, good leaders are always learning. You
1: are not expecting to know the answer. Instead, you are expected to learn the answer.
0: Get ready to build better habits. We are what we repeatedly do. And embrace conflict.
1: Conflict is healthy. Conflict should
0: be expected. With inspirational interviews from High Alpha. Welcome back to Speaker Series Rewind, a podcast hosted by High Alpha. My name is Emma Ryan, and I'm super excited to share today's episode with you all. For those of you new to the show, we revisit High Alpha Speaker Series events. In Season 2, we're giving you a peek behind the curtain into the world of venture capital through conversations with leading investors. In today's episode, we're revisiting our Speaker Series event from August 2017 with Lisa Coca. Lisa was the Managing Director of Enterprise Software at GE Ventures at the time of this interview. Since then, Lisa has gone on to pursue new opportunities. She is currently a partner at Toyota Ventures, where she serves as a lead for their climate fund. In this interview, Lisa shared key learnings from her experiences in venture capital and the risks and rewards throughout her career. With that, let's get into the episode.
1: So a little different topic this morning, and I I think that for the audience, we're going to have a, a really good, rich conversation. Lisa Koka from GE Ventures, who's managing director, is is uh, going to join us and, and uh, share a few slides and thoughts on GE Ventures. And then we'll have a chance, a little fireside chat and some Q&A. So be thinking of things you might want to ask Lisa about. But corporate venturing is something that I think many of our of our companies and our in our tech community here have have been interested in, so we get some feedback on that, and we're r- really fortunate to have GE Ventures and Lisa engaged actually with with some companies here in Indianapolis, and we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. So thought it would be great to bring Lisa in and uh, share a little bit of her background and a little bit of the GE Ventures story with everybody. Uh, Lisa has got a wonderful background. She did her undergrad at Wharton, did a MBA at Stanford and has been in a variety of roles with GE for the past several years, has been with GE Ventures for the last five years. And for those of you who don't know much about corporate venturing, it's, it's pretty simple. They're, they're, you know, General Electric, very large, one of the largest companies in the world, allocates some capital and makes makes venture investments the way that the other venture firms that you might work with also do. And we'll talk a little bit about some of the similarities and some of the differences, but it's a pretty important role for especially those of us that are building business to uh, business software companies to kind of understand. The, the landscape. Another company that we talk a lot about is Salesforce. Salesforce also has a ventures arm, and they make uh, equity investments in, in other companies. So this is something that is not unique to big industrial companies. It's not unique to enterprise software companies. Companies of all uh, sizes and flavors participate in, in corporate venturing, and it can be a really important vehicle for those of us that are, that are building uh, companies from, from the ground up, to understand who those partners are, how they can help us, etc. So, without further ado, I will introduce Lisa Kokos, give her a nice, warm welcome.
2: So, thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, it looks like it's working. The mic here.
0: Yep, you're on. There you go. Okay.
2: Thank you very much for coming today. So as, as Mike said, I am an investor with GE Ventures based in, in Menlo Park. And what I'm going to do today based uh, on what Mike and I talked about was I'll spend a little bit of time talking about GE Ventures and then I'll spend a little bit of time talking about GE and its sort of industrial journey. It's something a lot of people, we talk a lot about it. I'm sure you guys have heard a lot about it, and I'm going to try to demystify it a little bit for you in a couple of slides, but then we'll we'll also touch more on it during during the chat. So GE Ventures, a little bit of a, of a misnomer. So clearly we've got, there's a, a Ventures component uh, to what we do to our platform. That's the sort of the investing on the far left-hand side, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. But it's really, think of it as a multimodal innovation platform. It's really almost the, the epicenter of innovation for GE. And, and there are a couple of different come to the platform. So let's put investing aside for the moment, and I'll sort of take these out of order. New business creation. New business creation is effectively, that's our incubator. It would be the equivalent of the high alpha studio that you guys are probably familiar with. So the starting point, we're literally building new businesses. The starting point for which um, is usually some combination of um, an unmet need that we are seeing in the market. Coupled with, it could be uh, some sort of IP or technology that we have. It could also be some sort of domain or a re- domain expertise that we feel like, uh, or resources that we can bring to bear to really help you know stand this company up and differentiate it. We started doing that. Ventures was formally launched. In 2013, January 2013. Prior to that, there had been some pockets of innovation, but in, in its current form, 2013 and new business creation is really is something that we've been doing um, since inception, and we've stood up about four or five businesses so far that have successfully gone on to to raise Series A uh, through B. So it is it's it's not. I mean, some people talk about it, it's actually something that we're actually doing. It's not easy to do (laughs) in a large organization uh, like GE. Um, Health Imagination, that is a thought leadership platform. So the healthcare business has been a a very important part of of GE's history. It's a a business that we're very proud of for the impact that we have on the world. And this is, it is a, a forum through which we bring together a lot of thought leaders to kind of think about the you know, the next generation of problems. So about three or four years ago, uh, one of the the biggest pushes that they did was around neuroscience and brain disease. And the idea there was for for all the right reasons, so many dollars and and resources, you know, over the past 20 or 30 years have gone into cancer. And what they were really trying to do is trying to shine shine a light on neuroscience and early dementia, Alzheimer's and really get uh, more dollars kind of flowing into that sector by convening thought leaders. And then we use that, that kind of sits on the front end. Think of that almost as an an engine that draws in innovative kind of healthcare companies that we could then arguably invest in um, within our healthcare uh, ventures practice. Catalyst, think of Catalyst. Catalyst is a partnership amongst G Ventures, our global research center, and universities. And the idea there is, whereas on the the ventures within the ventures group, we're investing are ahead of the businesses, right? We, we should argue, arguably be keeping our those companies and those units on the forefront of innovation. You know, anywhere from five to things that are happening five to ten years out. Catalyst is looking like twenty to twenty-five years out. They are they are really the focus. There is to stay on the on the bleeding edge um, of opportunities that are could have long-term commercialization impact for our businesses, whether it be in energy or healthcare. Licensing, this is the monetization of GE technology. So one of the largest, I think next to MIT, perhaps one of the largest holders of patents in the world. And this is a way for us to basically, to to create value. And we do that in in different ways. Um, Sometimes it's the monetization by, through sweat equity, So very often we will hold little IP seminars where we invite individuals to come in, take a look at the portfolio in particular sectors. And then, you know, signed contracts to, to collect royalties on monetizing. And the, the PFS phosphor actually is a very interesting one that we, we did. I, I know just enough about this to be dangerous, so, so, so don't call me out on this. But I, I guess with, with televisions there for the, the color, there was, there was never a true red. Like it was really hard to get to come through the, the phosphors in, in TVs. And we had some technology sitting in our global research center that actually created, like, a true red in a television. And they dug it up, and they ended up licensing it. Now pretty much every one of the television manufacturers at the electronics convention in Vegas two years ago basically had put out TVs with this this true red. You may hear people talking about that. So something like that, like really random stuff. And then... (laughs) and then investing which I'll 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 touch on in, in a little bit. The innovation partner of choice I mean, that's really our goal, right? We, we want startups, we want, you know, innovative entrepreneurs to really think about GE as as a partner. And there are a couple of ways that we're trying to to kind of bring that to life. GE store, no it's not a place. I actually it drives me crazy. It's a metaphor drummed up by some marketing people for <laughs> And, 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 and the idea there, the concept there, well, people always say that, where's the G store? How do I find it? I'm like, it's not real. So it's a metaphor. And the idea there is that, you know, historically, we've got, you know, these businesses have really just been so incredibly siloed and been operating kind of in different worlds. And the G store is really our attempt to start to, and our recognition that those worlds are starting to collide and, and kind of come together. A perfect example of that, and something that at we're we with adventures, we're sort of we're trying to capitalize on. We've created a cross practice initiative. Is if you think about synthetic biology, right? And If you think about the fact that that's really the confluence of you know biology and engineering, we've got expertise and resources in both of those fields, right? So how do we for for GE? How do we capitalize on that? And then how do we enable sort of our partners to, to come in and, and partner on that as well? And, and the way that that manifests itself is in certain councils that, that kind of come together on a regular basis. Edge, Edge is, this is GE Ventures platform. A lot of venture capitalists will talk about platform, like, what's a platform, what's a platform? Platform is really, that's the idea that um, beyond just providing capital, that there's more that we should be doing to support you as investors in your companies. And, and, and that looks different for every invest. and every investor should be trying to capitalize on what they think their strengths are. And that's what we've um, done in edge. So we've got a couple of different pillars there that we think lever some of, of the unique things about GE, you know, which would be clearly our scale. So how do we leverage our, our, our broad resources and, Network of suppliers for your benefit. Brand, how do we leverage our brand, right? Few doors open, few brands open as many doors on a global scale as GE. So that's just one example of how we might support you. And then also leadership development, right? So GE is widely uh, recognized historically as an organization that has done a um, pretty good job of, of building a you know, talent pool of uh, strong leaders. but we, we do it in a way that it's consumable for the startup. So it's not like we're just locking and loading. we're just lifting out all the things that GE does for executives and, and offering it to you because it just doesn't it doesn't work, right? So we we've, we've, there's some retooling that we do in there. And then obviously digital, which we'll talk a little bit about more of the Predicts platform, the software. And this is really, there's two parts to that digital journey, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about. This is the part where this is truly about GE making that transformation from a company that sells industrial products to a company that sells software and solutions and ultimately sells outcomes. Okay. So the, the investing platform. So we have, we have four venture practices. The, the two in the middle are the sort of the easiest to kind of wrap your head around. They're verticals, healthcare, energy, lighting, and the Internet of Things. The, the two on the out are what I call horizontals. They cut across. The, the different GE businesses, if you think from ventures perspective, our internal stakeholders are is the rest of GE are the are the business. That's the that's the best way to to kind of to grasp that construct. Software and analytics, just again to to give you a little bit of context, software and analytics is is really a um, a joint venture almost between GE Ventures and GE Digital. So that software, there's software in all of these, but this the software and analytics is really Um, around the infrastructure, software infrastructure, right? I I think of that as the plumbing and the pipes, as opposed to an advanced manufacturing enterprise, it's more enterprise software application um, and analytics. We are investing up to $200 million a year. Since the launch, I would say, you know, the check size is one to 15 million. Um, Above 15 million, we have to go higher up to get approval. Uh, I would say the sweet spot is really, right now for us is three to five. We don't on the initial investment. You know, we've in the early days, you know, we were doing some one and $2 million deals, but given the level of support that we like to provide the portfolio companies, I work just as hard for, you know, a, a $1 million dollar investment as I do a three or $5 million investment. And so it's 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 really just about optimizing resources. And we're getting to the the size now we actually have a hundred active portfolio companies that we are that we are actively invested in. So when you get to that level of scale, it's really hard to, to add value with, with checks that are averaging you know, below three million. Okay, so most importantly, you know, GE Ventures, we are GE, right? This this slide, and this is where I'll sort of make that transition to the industrial journey put this slide in, I thought I was like, oh my god, people are gonna be like, yeah, well, of course, you know, we know you're large. But so there are a couple of there are a couple of points that I'll make there that I think that I think are, are interesting. So so Jeff ML, current CEO, well, no, 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 not current CEO, chairman. I think that was official August first. In his tenure, I think it was 15 years, mm-hmm. GE has gone from being a company where 70% of our business was in the U.S. and now 70% of our business is actually outside of the U.S. So, so truly a global organization. It's uh, and that has implications on so many different levels, but not the least of which is this this digital kind of industrial journey that we've that we've set out on. And you know what I'll say about that is, you know, we. GE is not the only organization or the only enterprise to, to find themselves um, in this mindset. But what I think we're all seeing is the enterprise is starting to take its cues from consumer, right? So consumer has become, in the world of innovation, a, a leading indicator almost for, for the enterprise. And a lot of the trends that really started on the consumer side are starting, you know, are over time are, are playing out in the enterprise. And it's not that surprising, right? Because it's interesting. People always talk about it are you B2B to, B to B or B2C? Well, B2B, B, the second B in, is filled with people, right? And so, right, so it's still, it's still B2C in some respects. And when you may work in a company, but when you go to work at a company, even like GE, and in my daily life, I'm demanding speed, I'm demanding customization, personalization, a better user experience. I want that same experience in in, in the work environment. And so there really there's there's a strong interplay there. And the the next two slides I, I think are really telling for for GE's digital journey. I mean, when you look at this, I mean. I'm looking out and I see a few gray hairs, but, but not not that many. So, so it may come as a surprise to you millennials that like the world didn't always revolve around you, right? And so, and so, so believe it or not, the you used to be a collective you. And it used to be about dem it used to be about broad strokes of you know demographics. That was that was the you, right? The segmentation, every everything it was, it was it was clustering. And with, with data, with analytics, what that whole world has opened up is the ability to really drill down, right? And to, to get that, that model of one, right? And that, that view of one person and what you like. And it still never ceases to amaze me when I'm, I'm browsing on the web and somebody before was talking about their e-commerce issues. And it still never ceases to amaze me when I'll pull up a site and all of a sudden will be like an ad for some store that I was just, you know, two or three days ago had been browsing in, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's quite phenomenal. Think about that in the context of the industrial environment. It's exactly the same. It is exactly the same. And so historically, what's happened is the way that businesses have tried to optimize and, and ultimately drive for outcomes, there were broad strokes, Right? There was, a, there was a fleet of, of assets that, from which you, you got your, your data, the fleet life and performance. Um, but it wasn't, you know, we didn't we weren't leveraging, we didn't have the ability, and we weren't doing it even when we did, to leverage technology, sensors to actually capture that data. Now you actually have the ability to store all of that data, the capacity to store it. And so what ends up happening is, you hear people talk a lot about the, the digital twin, and the digital twin is really just a, a model of an asset. right? It's taking the, it's the combination of the engineering that went into it, the, 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 the product and the, and the bill of manufacturing, the physics of it, you apply technology and sensors, you capture that data, and then you can analyze it. And you can analyze it over the life of the asset, to drive performance. That's effectively what the digital twin, the digital twin is. Um, when we talk about, when you think about it, and, and it is, it's, it feeds on itself, right? So if you think of, you think of data as the fuel, and then if you think of analytics as the growth engine, right, the starting point for an asset is data, right? You put the engineering data into a CAD file, right? and then as that asset is operating you continue to collect data and it's just and it's just it's continuous innovation continuous improvement continuous feedback <laughs> so that's the digital twin the digital thread the digital thread applies to the digital twin because the digital thread is the data right it's the stream of data over that that you're able to capture over the life cycle of that asset but the digital thread also applies to processes. And this is how, and particularly the area where, where I'm investing in the team that I work on, the advanced manufacturing and enterprise. We think about the digital thread, and some, some people call it a communication framework. Some people look at this and they say, okay, well that's the supply chain, and it is, right? Although the way we like to think about it is a little bit more of a customer-centric supply chain because historically when people think of supply chain, they think about it from here to here, right? And what we're saying is to really get that digital thread in terms of how GE operates to drive those efficiencies, we've got to look wing to wing, right? And we have to, and we have to have that feedback loop. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to, again, to the point of being siloed, each one of these in an organization, each one of these chevrons, first of all, has their own. You could distill it to a number of different chevrons beneath. But if you just at its highest level, if you think about it, what's happened historically is each one of these chevrons has been siloed in an organization like GE. People, processes, but if you actually look at the activities, they're they're over they're overlapping, right? And and that is what has created bottlenecks. And in today's world, right, where our customers are demanding that we deliver things at a lower cost, that we deliver them faster and on demand, that doesn't work. And so what you have to do is for us, and this is where a lot of our, how we start to develop our investment thesis on in, on our team, is we think about the need to, we've got to automate and digitize within each of the workflows, and then we have to connect across, to connect the data across. And that effectively is what gives you your digital threat. So, that is it. So I'll take that
1: there. Okay, great. So I, I've got I've got a ton of questions, but we'll we'll be sure to leave some time for um, for the group. Let, let's let's take a step back. I'm I'm always interested, Lisa, to hear just kind of your own personal story. So you you were at GE, and and from what I can tell, you know, progressing and having a very very nice career on the GE Capital side and doing real estate and some other investments. What T- talk about that move to say opportunity five years yeah. ago to go to GE Ventures.
2: The real estate market crashed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. No. Next question. No. <laughs> so no, so I was I was at real estate at G at a time when it was like we owned 90, we had $90 billion of real estate on our balance sheet. $90 billion of real estate. And and it did. I mean, the market literally it, it tanked. And mm. we were a value add investor. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a triple A portfolio. And mm. at the time I was I had been leading a sustainability initiative there. So the, the view was, since we were repositioning assets anyway, that we should be doing it in a way that would reduce the environmental footprint. And so I was rolling that out globally. When the market turned and they decided they weren't gonna invest anymore. I just, I started looking for a new opportunity. I was very lucky because I did want to to diversify away from, from real estate, but I thought it was going to be tough. And it was, I had to take some risks. So I ended up taking a, what they call a bubble assignment at mm-hmm. GE. And those are assignments. If you can get a bubble assignment, it's good because it's usually... With a fairly senior uh, person and in, in the organization, and a strategic project. The downside is if the project doesn't go anywhere, you're you're kind of you know you're 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 really stuck now without a job. <laughs> and so I ended up taking turning down some full time offers within GE to be CMO, and I took a bubble assignment with Beth Comstock, who was who was the global CMO at the time, and the project was for the creation of ventures. So, I, so I, ground floor. So I mean, ground floor. In, yeah, January 2012, we presented the uh, the business plan. Got approved in May, and then in August, I moved over to ventures.
1: That is fascinating. Yeah. So you actually had a role in the along with Beth in the in the creation. Yeah. And, and that, that that's great. That le- would lead in then to what was the what was the motivation for it, it's easy. I think it's easier now. You've got a hundred portfolio companies. You invest okay. in a significant yep. amount of capital, and it almost seems like well of course there's GE Ventures but you were there at the very beginning what would you say was the driver for GE to decide yes we're we're going to do this
2: so a, a couple of things there had been pockets of an innovation ongoing at and even venture activity mm. at GE Prior to January of 2012, when we started looking at the project, there, in fact, there had been an, there was an energy venture team and there was a healthcare venture team. Both of those teams were within businesses. So the energy team was within energy mm-hmm. financial services, and they had been investing for six or eight years. And I think, look, you know, it, it was a time where the volume was pretty high on, on startups and innovation. I think our businesses were starting to see. Uh, disruption in 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 their daily markets but but more importantly on the horizon the best example of that is healthcare and the view was we were not organized in a way to take advantage of that energy financial services sitting within at the time which was GE energy which was like you know you know billion, I me mean, how are they really going to move the needle right do you know what I mean are they really like the, and so the the view was is that it was in the the wrong place for the wrong reason. And so the idea was, let's lift them out. let's let's create sort of our own internal kind of innovation ecosystem. And in doing that, hope we'll get sort of economies of scale. We'll get economies of scope. We'll build a brand, do it right. And we'll do it right. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: okay. yeah, that's that's very good. And that was. That was five years and and 100 uh, 100 companies ago, portfolio companies. Maybe just highlight, Lisa, how you you guys are organized. You gave us the slide, your focus on the the advanced manufacturing and enterprise, which Mm -hmm. is where, for example, the Octave investment Mm that came from. What does your your kind of peer group look like? How many of you uh, do this every day?
2: across the practices I would say that there are so the GE venture with the whole innovation platform I think it's probably about a lot of people it's probably about 100 on the investing side I would say there's probably 20 to 30 okay and investment yeah. professionals between the practice leads and to the associates yeah.
1: So so it's interesting, a, a couple hundred million dollars a year, which is which is significant, right i mean if you if you looked at that in terms of a a, a more traditional venture firm, that's probably a half a billion dollar, three quarter of a billion dollar fund that yep. you would be raising and deploying a hundred folks. So in many ways, that looks like a typical venture fund how How would you describe maybe differences between G e ventures, a corporate venture partner how do you How do you try to differentiate yourself? From other kind of straight-up venture
2: firms you know I think you know I, I think we're similar to other strategics in that you know we talk a lot as we should about our ability to add value beyond just capital typically the strategics are not the largest part of the capital stack we will um, occasionally lead deals but the the reason why we're more often than not, invited in is because people feel like we can deliver value in other ways. And obviously the most the most obvious way to do that is commercial agreements and, and facilitating introductions within the organization. But, but I think there are a lot of other ways. I mean, we, even in the context of a traditional VC, I mean, there are a lot of ways that your investors can add value. And so we've tried to be creative to, to think about how we can do that in a way that, that is is unique. Whether it's, you know, executive coaching for the CEO or, you know, CFO, you know, leadership seminars or taking portfolio companies on business development trips to China. It's, it, it's trying to be, I mean, I think we really try to be thoughtful Um, about that. And, and then I think one of the things that we try to do is we just, we try to, I think it's our job to also protect Hmm. the, the portfolio companies from, from, from the enterprise because it's like, it's like a big black hole.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. That, that, yeah, the value add question is a, I'd love to click into that a little bit because you're right. I mean, it is, we, we could have 15 venture partners walk through the door and they would all have some. Flavor of
2: yeah.
1: how we add value yeah. beyond the check, but I'm curious within GE if if you if you get in touch with your colleagues in China and say, "Hey, I'm bringing a couple of portfolio CEOs over." Right. How 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 does the rest of GE kind of perceive ventures? Are they inclined to help? Do they? You guys are high enough in the organization that they do whatever you say. How, how does that dynamic work?
2: You know, so what I w- so it's it it's it's good. And it's gotten better. And so I think part of what what helped is, you know, this was a mandate from the top. Mm. You know, the the, the creation of this organization had visibility at the highest levels and it continues to. So when I talked about the $15 million sort of maximum investment approval, beyond that, we have to go to something that's called a growth board. And that growth board basically consists of like the CEOs of the different businesses but you know when ventures was it was he was very much you know Imelt's baby and it actually drove people crazy because <laughs> he wanted it was like he wanted monthly meetings and people were like this is <laughs> freaking crazy like right. we're spending you know monthly meeting update with Jeff you know, we're spending two weeks preparing for this of meeting, course. we need yeah. to be doing deals. Yeah. So they dialed it back to, so, so I think that helps yeah. because there was such high visibility. And I think we have a little bit of a high quality problem in that there are a lot more, there's a lot more we could be doing to support their, their, their needs hmm. than, than we have capital. To mm. allocate, quite frankly, and that because and we're not gonna, you know, we don't, we shouldn't necessarily as a venture firm. We shouldn't be investing in every startup that happens to be doing business with GE. We should be investing in the startups that are solving, you know, multiple problems right. at, at at GE, right? Where we really feel like we can. Bring our scale to bear to help them grow, mm-hmm. not necessarily so. And that doesn't mean that the company isn't a good company, but we we have to be we have to be selective. Right. And so we we find ourselves in instances where they're working with a startup, and they're like, "Hey, right, look at this is what you
1: do, right? yeah, yeah, you well, yeah, in yeah, in yeah. yeah. Give
2: us some money, you know." Right. <laughs> so so we've had you know we've had to we we've, we've turned things down that they've actually brought to us. Sure,
1: sure. That's yeah, that's good. That's good. That sounds like the he- a healthy dynamic, though. Yeah. Very good. Okay, let, I, I would love for you to retell a story that that I think says a lot about how you guys work, and it has uh, relevance to to our tech community here. T- tell us the tell us the Octave story. Tell yeah. us how how you got involved, and for those of you who don't, no, leave, let's do a different story. A different story.
2: <laughs> I, <just>, I always <laughs> said that because David was. Doing oh that, yeah, so. no,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> no. We're going to do the Octave story. So in in 2016, <laughs> actually about a year ago, right?
2: About uh, this time you, that we invested, but the first was December 2015.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. the invest that, that led to an investment mm-hmm. uh, about a year ago. So those of you who don't know, Lisa's involved with the board and and made a, a very significant investment in in Octave about a year ago. So rewind back to 2015, and I think the group would would love to hear that story. It, yeah. it speaks a lot.
2: Yeah. So we were, and this, this also speaks to the issue of, of the engagement. It slowed down a little bit. But what used to happen is like every week, you know, Sue Siegel, CEO, would get a call and be some senior exec. And they were like, I'm coming I'm to Silicon Valley. I want to meet some famous entrepreneurs. Startups, yeah. Startups, yeah. right? And set up some <laughs> meetings, right? When are you coming? Next week, right? Uh, sure. It was uh, like, it's got that on so, demand. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah there yeah. you go. All right. And so, what we ended up, we tried to be a little bit more pro, uh, a little bit more programmatic about it. And so we happened to have a stakeholder group coming out, our our global operations group. And we had three or four months to kind of plan this this two and a half day event. I mean, it was a combination of thought leaders and roundtables, but we we will almost always invite in. A group of startups, and it depends. I think that day was a that was a big one. We had like 15 startups coming in to to pitch, and it's like speed dating, right? So it's like 15 minute pitch, you know, five minute Q and A, kick them out the door, right? Mm -hmm. Next one rolls in, and and so in the course of preparing for that and trying to understand what some of the the pain points were for for the stakeholders that were coming in,
1: internal stakeholders, right? These are GE GE executives, exactly
2: from from our global operations and there was a team there uh, coming in from commercial shared services and we were developing a short list of of companies to invite and and marketing and automation sales marketing automation was one of them and we did some research we created a short list and and tinderbox was was on the list at the time and, and we literally sent it was a, it was a Cold call. I mean, we sent an email, and I don't remember if it was David or, or Dustin that responded. And we got on the call, and you know, we said we're having this event, and we're thinking about inviting you. We'd like to learn a little bit more, and and uh, they were like, oh well, you know, we're actually already working for three business, G E businesses. And I was like, oh okay, well, that doesn't come as a shocker that I don't know that, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so we said, okay, well, we'll get back to you. Of course, well, we said, send us the names. Who you know who you're working. Yeah, for, you know, yeah, I mean, whatever. So. Yeah, we're like general electric. Yeah, that wouldn't be the first time I heard that, right? <laughs> and and so they sent us names, and we we called the people, and and good thing for David, they had really positive things to say. So <laughs> so we 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 let them come. But that was so it, it was interesting. I think what was interesting about that too, and 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 David can can talk about this as well is that I think they were they were doing really well at GE, but where they were struggling was to was to break out beyond those three businesses, or or at least at a minimum, kind of get visibility and elevate an elevated view of, of the great work that they were doing in those organizations to try to drive more. And, and so we just started uh, talking to them and, and actually Commercial Shared Services, they ended up, Octave was the only company coming out of that session where, where we, well, up until two months ago, where we had made an investment and, had, they've real, and they've done very, very well GE yeah. in terms of, of um, really kind of expanding their footprint.
1: Yeah, no, that, I think that's, I just love that story because we, myself included, spent a lot of time trying to get the attention of, of big investors, right? Yeah. here's our pitch deck and here's, here's how great we're doing. And the reality is if you are taking care of customers to the yeah. point where they are happy enough to say, oh, we love what they're doing, Uh, really good things can happen, right? It can lead to other customers and it could even lead to, you know, to an investment and a really powerful relationship. So is that, I I don't know if if I'd like to think that that is unique and was just this one-off wonderful story that benefited Octave, or if this is, is this part of how you guys leverage, you know, the, the, the massive GE footprint? Do you go look for, hey, what, what, What new companies are you uh, involved with, or what new technologies? And is that part of your approach, or was Uh, that a a unique situation?
2: No, I think that one was somewhat unique. What what I would say, I would say yes and. Okay. Because we've been in situations where there was one of the stakeholder groups within HR was looking at trying this. This. This software. They were they were trying to solve for a particular problem, and there were a couple of companies that they were talking to. And we happened to be talking to those companies as well. And we there were there were three companies, and there was one company that we felt from event was the right venture investment. Mm. We loved the management. We experienced sort of serial entrepreneur. We loved the investment syndicate. We, they had a pretty unique sort of approach to the problem. They were scaling nicely mm. and then there was another firm that was was a couple years behind them mm. and that firm was did not have we were not necessarily impressed with the with the management team and the investment syndicate and they told the GE organization they said, oh, we'll build whatever you want like whatever <laughs> you want like we'll, we'll build whatever you want right And I was like with an engineer with a team of eight people yeah right they, you know so and the, the internal my 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 internal stakeholder really wanted to work with that company and I said that's great you can work with that company but I'm not investing in right. that company or, yeah right, Or exactly. the company says I'll do whatever right you need and, and, and right and I said and bear in mind and the other company wouldn't because they were scaling they they weren't at the point where they needed to you know that was going to slow them down they mm. were not willing to white label a product for mm-hmm. GE and and they. It was interesting because, and I said to them, I said, look, you know, you just bear in mind that, like, you could work with this company for 18 months. Like, if they don't raise, like, your 18 months of work is, like, gone. Right. I mean, that you always run that risk, right? But you try to mitigate it where you can, right, by, by with certain cues. And it it did turn out, so they didn't end up working with that company. It took them a while because the, the other, the company that I liked was more expensive. And, um... But they are uh, a couple months away from signing a contract nice. with that company. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's wonderful. I think that... Well, that... sucks
2: for me because I missed the round, yeah. <laughs> right? So it took them so long, right? But now now, you're, now, you're, now you're, I got to try to you you yeah, get the next in. round. Exactly. You, you could probably squeeze yeah. in. I,
1: I think that's very timely, right? We spend a lot of time in, in our own companies with that same kind of dilemma or trade-off of, hey, I see you know, wow, an opportunity to work with this really big company, and I only have to change these 14 things on my roadmap to satisfy them, but look at the dollars that are gonna flow, right? And then, hopefully, you have a good healthy dynamic on on our teams where somebody says, but if we redirect roadmap this way, does that jeopardize right. kind of the long term that and, we're and pursuing? Don't,
2: and don't get me wrong. A lot of the investments that we make, particularly on the software side, are what I like to call co-development partnerships. Yes. yes. Where we're not just validating, but we're informing the roadmap. But but you have to also have the capacity to do that, yes. right? And And this was like a team of eight people. Right. right and and I they I just didn't think that long term they were really going to be able to to do that successfully. Yeah. So I, I think it, it's not that that's bad. I think yes. You just, no. You I,
1: I absolutely balance. and I think that that friction is always going yep. to be present in a com- in a company that is trying to go win a big contract. Right. We're yep. selling five figure deals. We really want to sell a six figure deal. What's required to do that? But having. You know, an investor or prospective investor who understands that you know completely redirecting roadmap and yeah. all resources is not not really going to be that healthy. I think that's I think that's very good. Okay, I've got one more, and then we're gonna we're gonna open up here. This idea of, of digital twin, which mm-hmm. I, I thought I, I love that language. Um, and geez, very good at, at like the marketing and branding thing. By the way, except tell, for the store. Except for the store. Yes, we cannot visit. You can tell them there's more of us in Indy that wanted to visit the store. But, but this idea of a digital twin, I'm just curious where, you know, when, when you and your team sit down and, and look at, at that, that idea, mm-hmm. a jet engine, and where we used to look at a pool of jet engines and kind of some aggregate data off those jet engines. And now we're looking at real time, very, very specific and predicting failure and all that. Are we, I mean, if this were a baseball game, are, are we like in the first, second ending or are we are we deeper into the game? I mean, because yeah. a lot of us are trying to figure out how to build businesses that, yeah. that have to do with that. And it's just, I, I'm curious from, from your perspective, how far along we are.
2: I think it's still early days. Early uh, days? Yeah, I think it's still early days. And, um, you know, one, uh, I, I, there was an interview a uh, couple of years ago with Jeff Immelt where They were asking him about, because so we're early in the game. It's also, you know, well, well, what is your go-to-market strategy, right? So I think in the beginning, we were like, we're just going to build everything. And now we're like, you know, I don't think we build everything. Mm. We need to partner more. So I would say it's early days. And one of the things that we're having to do is we're having to, you know, those days of, of you know six sigma are long gone right <laughs> where it's like this formulaic you know sequential right. process for for rolling stuff out that just doesn't work especially when you're building software and i think we're we're having to to constantly pivot there was there was recently there was a there was a big pivot internally in the organization that isn't necessarily widely talked about but in, in this interview, Imelda said, "Well, we're going to build everything." He's like we might be wrong. We might be, and I, and I love the fact that he actually said that in an interview. <laughs> we, we, like, we could like, be wrong. He's we're like, making... "We could be wrong. We could be." To-. He's like, "But we can't sit here and do nothing, mm-hmm. right?" Like that. Like that is. It, it was also interesting because in that same article, he talked about the fact, and this is where the whole consumer being a leading indicator I thought was interesting. If you look at the S and P five today, and you look at the valuation, about twenty percent of the value of the S&P 500 is from consumer tech stocks that were not there 15 or 20 years mm. ago. Right? And <laughs> so you you have just big consumer companies that just that used that, that didn't that didn't exist and the old school ones didn't you know, they they didn't ride. go along for the ride. Right. And and that's kind of what we're having to that's what we have that's what we have to think about every day on the industrial Yes. Side of things, and so I, I, I think it's still very, very, very yeah. early
1: days. Yeah, that's really interesting. If, if you believe in the fact that consumer is leading the way for business, and then you look at what's happening with consumer companies, you know, you can, you can string those two concepts together and yeah. say, we, we have to change and change aggressively. It's only
2: a matter of time before Amazon starts calling themselves a digital industrial company.
1: That, 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 that right. is that, that, it's very true. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. 25.
0: Stay up to date with Hi Alpha, our portfolio companies, and the future of Enterprise Cloud. Subscribe to our newsletter to get portfolio updates, new company launch information, and the latest content in your inbox every month. Visit highalpha.com slash newsletter to subscribe. That's highalpha.com slash newsletter.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Speaker Series Rewind is brought to you by High Alpha, a venture studio that designs and builds B2B SaaS companies. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts wherever you listen. You can also subscribe or find additional content at highalpha.com slash podcast. We'd really appreciate any reviews and it'll help us reach more awesome people like you. Catch you next time.